0: Welcome to the Conversations with Women of Color podcast with your hosts, Danusha and Megan.
1: In today's episode, we chat with Divya and Lisa from Amazi Beauty. Divya is the founder and CEO of Amazi Beauty. She believes that all businesses should be social businesses. Lisa is currently the CFO. Her purpose is to change the landscape of the health and beauty industry by championing the economic inclusion of women. These powerhouses are on a mission to change the beauty industry by training women of colour to become business owners. Divya and Lisa unpack financial matters amongst others and explain how they are impacted by the lack of diversity in the industry they also punt the importance of creating our own tables divya and lisa welcome to conversations with women of color
0: question for divya please tell us more about amazi beauty and why you created it
2: so amazi is a social business or uh, otherwise known as a social enterprise which i think is still a very new concept to South Africa, but is actually kind of gaining a lot more traction internationally as the more sustainable form of practicing commerce in general so we 're a social business, and our purpose is to innovate opportunities, platforms, and models that champion the economic inclusion of women um, and You know, we began that journey by launching a holistic skills development and income earning creation uh, program where we trained young unemployed women to become beauty professionals and then we introduced them to the world of work through a 12-month learnership at our stores. Um, in, In essence, the structure of our, of our group is we have both a nonprofit and for-profit company that sit side by side and they work symbiotically to create what we believe is sustainable economic progression and inclusion for young women. Um, and our, you know, our take on economic inclusion is that it's not enough to arm someone with a skill They need Mm -hmm. to be able to access an earning opportunity with that skill. They need to be able to grow that income. And eventually they need to be able to invest in assets because asset ownership is the real economic inclusion. So everything that we do within our MAZI, all of the various avenues that we create for women to connect into the formal economy and grow themselves, really keep in mind what our end objective is, which is to see more women owning more assets, owning more businesses and economically thriving. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's who we are. Um, I think you know over the period of COVID, we've, we've obviously all learned that COVID has reshaped the format of how we all earn um, and how earning opportunities are going to be created in the future. So over this period, it's also given us an opportunity to just go back to those foundational questions and ask ourselves whether the format of the problem has changed. And if it has, how do we want to respond to it? So, you know, we've kind of taken the past few months to actually introduce um, new ways in which we're trying to get more and more women to be economically included and economically thriving the most recent of which is our digital knowledge hub, which we're super, super, super excited about. Um, Basically a digital learning community where we're encouraging any woman out there who's looking to um, become more self-reliant, back herself more to kind of join our community, access our learning content, have conversations with us and grow with us. So that's who we are. Um, that's what we're passionate about. That's what we believe our purpose is centered on. And um, yeah.
0: Awesome. That sounds amazing, and that's why we have you on the show today. So, Kishan Polisas, have I have is Tell us just a little bit more about yourselves and how you got into beauty.
3: I am from the Eastern Cape, and I got into beauty. Through an academy, I'm studying in Cape Town, and I think the biggest thing that got me onto the path of beauty was just my background and how I grew up, where it was very rife politically, and all you could see was just um, the differences um, between race, and also just from a very cultural background, there was a, a space for you as a child that you were just told what to do especially as a girl child so I grew up not knowing what it means to be beautiful and I just went on a quest to figure that out for myself and of course going into Cape Town coming from the Eastern Cape the first thing that met me was just how different I was because even in our own class there were only two of us women of color (laughs) in Mm. that space so the the question around beauty and what that means for me went beyond what is on the surface. It was more interrogating myself. What do I believe about myself is beautiful and how do I create um, a platform for other women to identify their beauty within um, your, your, your commercial beauty spaces. Even our learning material, Megan, was um, you would see A skin analysis, for example, of uh, 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 another type of woman, but not a woman of color. And you are Mm. trained and indoctrinated in those methods. But you're like, this means I can't even treat my own skin. There's no solution for my own skin. So it's always been a space of revolution for us, I guess, that um, Amazi does not see beauty in one way. There's more to being beautiful than just what you appear as. And it's a deeper conversation. And I think that's what we're trying to bring forward as as women of color to other women of color, that let's interrogate what it means to be beautiful and redefine it in a way that creates opportunities for us to take up space. So that's how I got into it. Oh, that is amazing.
1: Um, I love the fact that um, you don't see beauty in one specific aspect and you're trying to, you know, scratch the surface and redefine um, what beauty means for you. I think that is really powerful. Um, I have a question for Divya. So women of color face racism daily. I mean, it's, it happens in every single industry. It's not exclusive to one. We have to work twice as hard to prove ourselves. In an Mm -hmm. ideal world, what does inclusion look like to you?
2: It's so funny that you're asking that question because recently (laughs) I've had so many people um, interrogate my views around around this particular topic. So um, I have a very um, clear idea for myself of how I believe we need to practice inclusion. And for me, it really comes down to having more woman-only, woman-owned, woman-run, woman-led spaces. Um, And I think, you know, just to to kind of give you a little bit of insight into that, there is a big difference between inclusion and transformation. Transformation is about being persistent enough to install yourself in a space or a system that didn't want you there to begin with. Mm-hmm. So fight your way through a system and figure out how to, you know, push your, your seat at that table. But but remember, that table didn't want you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's transformation. And I think transformation is an agenda that our country is very used to. I mean, it defines the way the previous generation thought we needed to tackle the system. Mm -hmm. Inclusion for me is a completely different agenda. Inclusion Mm -hmm. says the system is broken and we have to create a completely new system. Mm -hmm. We're not going to waste our time fighting for a seat at your table we're gonna build our own table and the image of our table is going to be the way that it should have, should have been done all the way back then. It should have been inclusive all the way back then. It should have considered us all the way back then. Um, it should be a reflection of us. And that's what inclusion to me is. Inclusion is not about trying to manipulate a space that never thought about you in its architecture. It's about creating a completely new space, a new system, a new economic structure where the representation comes right at the birth. You know, um, I always say to people, it, it it makes me sad and it also makes me laugh at the same time when I hear about these um, titles like Chief Diversity Officer and Chief Transformation Officer mm. um, because... Uh, firstly, I just feel so sad for the, for the woman uh, holding that space. You know, it must be such a toxic space to hold. Um, but beyond that, I just think that all of the emotional and mental and financial resource you're trying to, to, to spend and use, manipulating a system that doesn't want you, why don't you just invest it in a new system? You know, that's why I keep encouraging people, um, particularly brown and black women. Inclusion is about you going out there, backing yourself and building your own table. It's not about you wasting your life trying to fight for a seat at a table where you're not wanted.
0: I absolutely love that. And I totally, totally agree with you. We need to take up space and we need to build our own tables. So speaking about that, do you find the beauty industry being inclusive of women of color?
2: No. No, not at all. Um, I mean, and I think Lisa would probably be way better suited to weigh in on this because I actually have no interest in the beauty industry. Um, (laughs) I'm an economist. I'm an economist by trade. Specifically, I'm a development economist. And what interests me is economic frameworks and economic structures. And I think beauty in South Africa in particular is actually a very complex and very interesting economic conundrum. So that's the reason why I kind of got involved in the beauty space. But I mean, from a beauty specific point of view, uh, Lisa can tell you all sorts of ways in which the industry is not Mm -hmm. even close to inclusive, (laughs) not Mm -hmm. even close. (laughs) Um, I mean, just to give you an example, and Lisa will speak to this uh, I think from a lot more depth, but one of the reasons why we have created our knowledge hub is because in this country, 80% of the labor that provides beauty service is Brown and black women. Mm -hmm. There is not one school not one accredited school right now, where the knowledge content from the source that teaches beauty is written by a brown or black woman. Mm. That is absolutely shocking to me and infuriating, but it just shows you how far down the value chain, literally this entire industry has escaped any type of inclusive agenda.
3: Yeah. Lisa, so if you
0: want yep. to wait in,
3: Then definitely do. Oh my God. It means you have the whole day.
0: um, (laughs) Okay.
3: This is how how I was born. This is how Elisa came to be in this industry. Because from that story that I told you, Mm -hmm. I, I thought this is not acceptable that there's no representation. Um, of a brown and black woman in the learning material. This is why Amazi has its own academy where we write our own content because we want it to be relevant to the person that's going through that content. And the other big issue is just when you see beauty therapists in a spa or at a salon, they're good enough to just stand in the corridors waiting for the guests to come in and they're good enough to sell French products and all these other products that they don't understand because someone has just tied in that if you can do the work and sell products that you don't understand, it doesn't matter because you are earning. So they don't get knowledge, in-depth knowledge so that they can excel even in that career. So let alone sitting at a boardroom that is discussing like innovation within the beauty industry, we just get fed whatever comes from a European or or, or Westernized view and we have to take it. So it's very exciting to even see some of the progression in, in South Africa to see brown and black women making and formulating their own products with indigenous ingredients that we understand that will suit our skin type and solve our problems, even the hair care is doing this. But inclusion in the beauty industry, not yet. We have to create it ourselves and we have to be bold when we do it because it's an industry that is very, very much not accommodating to a brown and black woman in any structure, in any boardroom, in any form. We are not there. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done.
1: Um, Lisa, I just want to ask you a question quickly. do you find that there are enough products made by black South African women, specifically in the beauty industry?
3: No, not in they show. They're, they're, they're not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. Um, Divya mentioned something earlier that why we are deliberate about building an inclusive business is because, we want people or women of color to access knowledge to access um, the kind of knowledge that adds value so that they are part of the value chain within the beauty industry or even as entrepreneurs. How are you going to formulate your own products where, when you don't even know how to access that kind of platform? you don't know anything about manufacturing you don't know anything about how um, chemicals or sorry or or, 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 or essential oils are extracted because it's, it's been kept as a secret. Mm-hmm. So there's a And lot you don't that, know
2: anything about business, right? Exactly. Because all of your beauty schools have the most condescending material I have ever come across. I, I don't know whether the white people that wrote this material thought that brown and black people are stupid, mm-hmm. but to me, I cannot understand why you would not of uh, business as as a as a really serious topic. Are you are you just establishing yourself to produce uh, therapists and technicians and people who labor only, or are, are you not looking at how you can empower women to be entrepreneurial, be business owners, be salon owners? Mm-hmm. You know, be a part of that ownership uh, seat. Um, and and definitely not. You know, schools yeah. definitely do not want brown and black women to be owners in this industry. Otherwise they would write insightful, relevant and, and challenging material and that stretches
3: your mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true, Davia. There, there just isn't a way to access meaningful information for, for brown and black women and, and I mean there is a module in, in beauty school that says business skills but you are really just taught how to sell and and you, you need to do some form of research but even that you can google that put it together you get marked and you pass because that's education it's not knowledge knowledge mm. changes you yeah so knowledge empowers you mm. Mm.
1: Sure. That that's um really interesting. I, I definitely think that we need um, more women owned businesses, and uh, especially in South Africa. But I I just want to ask a question because I um I uh, attended your virtual launch last week, and um I've just <laughs> I've just been I don't know I just absolutely love your website. And there's one powerful statement on there that I just I wrote it down in my journal. I have it on my phone now because. basically it reads love yourself you are your best asset and I mean I think that a lot of the times we ignore that part of self-love where you actually have to invest in yourself as an entrepreneur or even if you're working in a small medium or large organization so my question to you Lisa is what is the importance of knowing your why and investing in yourself
3: um this is, this is our passion. This question speaks to the core of who we are. Um, my core belief is that if you're going to lead an authentic life, it takes knowing who you truly are so that you connect to your purpose and invest in knowing yourself well enough to understand what are the behaviors that lead to self-sabotage. So this is why the information or the content that is recreated with Divya, that's on the virtual hub, speaks to who am I, what is my purpose, how can I create an income using that purpose, and can it be sustainable? Um, We've got to be real, because a job is a thing of the past. In South Africa right now, and maybe in the rest of the world, having a job is a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. everyone at this point needs to be adaptable and agile in expanding their skills and their knowledge so that they enable themselves to earn. So when we, when we were thinking and brainstorming about the Knowledge Hub itself, we asked what do women of color need to become empowered enough to create an income and in a meaningful and purposeful way. And for us, when we looked at the material, we saw that the stumbling block that many of us have as women of color is that we doubt ourselves. We have an internal narrative that I am not enough. Therefore, you are afraid to even try. So knowing your why gives you that distinction that you can do a business, you can be employed somewhere and and not for revenue or to earn money. But when you're connected with your core belief of who you are and you're trying to solve a real problem, you are then connected and you start creating spaces where you find like-minded people who have a similar purpose to you, who then complement your strengths and your weaknesses so that you build something bigger than yourself. Because the journey of the woman that 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 we we work with and the woman that we spoke to when we were creating the knowledge hub was about how do i shift my mindset to have a spirit of winning beyond the pandemic and it starts with asking yourself why why am i even here is what I want to create going to make a difference in anybody's life? Can I sustain it? And how, who do I collaborate with? And, and when you start looking at that, it starts to, to feel like a puzzle that's coming together because when you truly lead yourself in an authentic manner, it doesn't matter what other people say out there. As Divya said, you create your own table. You don't keep knocking on other people's boardrooms wanting to to go in. You discover the power within your own self to say, right, I'm not going to sit at other people's tables. I'm going to build this table. I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to make it long enough for other women of color to come in so that we share the knowledge together and not keep it to ourselves. So this is the space that we, we are trying to create virtually and it is the first leg of, of what we're building to and what Amazi is evolving into. We just want to inspire those women to say, this is what we've learned. Let's inspire you to, to, to start your own thing, to be the best version of yourself because whatever your past has been doesn't define who you will be in future. But you've got to acknowledge that and, and grow and collaborate with other women on the same journey as you.
0: That's very really powerful and knowledgeable. Um, really inspires me as well. Thank you so much for sharing that knowledge um, with us. A question I have for Lisa as well is, on your website, you have a powerful statement which reads, no matter your aspiration, we believe the best place to start with is yourself. The more you understand yourself and learn to lead yourself, the better equipped you will be to realize opportunities that align with your aspirations. Very often women have these amazing business ideas, but they don't go through with it. Why is this the narrative for so many women of color? Do you think it's the lack of support, resources, maybe finances that keep them from pursuing their purpose?
3: Sure, there are are many reasons, but I'll, I'll just try to limit (laughs) my answer i think the biggest issue that we face here is is the gender and financial gap as women of color we don't know how to access financing for our business and the fact that you're a woman it means that narrative is around number one self-doubt i doubt myself i doubt doubt my own capabilities the second thing is I doubt my idea. So Mm -hmm. I think the barrier there is self-doubt and idea doubt. Will this solve a problem? But we have a fear of not even wanting to try because you don't have access to knowledge and information that's going to empower you. You You do not know who to speak to. You don't have access to other people who seem to be doing better in that space because again there's a lot of competition when it comes in to a business space people want to win alone because they've got things to prove so it just becomes this hostile environment where the strong just keep winning and if you haven't sorted out what your internal narrative is you don't you don't win but If we look at our system in South Africa, it's very patriarchal. Mm -hmm. So there's no space created for women to succeed in business anyway. This is why we say we are a feminist business. We're saying that not because we want to succeed in the absence of men, but we're saying there's a lot of catching up that women need to do um, and, and to step up to the plate that allows them to succeed and to feel successful. So I think that's, that those are the main things that we've identified as a huge gap where entrepreneurs just don't win. And the other thing, just small things, who is in your team? Because if you do not know your people well or the people that you have collaborated with well, you could be building something but you're building in different directions. And again, as women, we fall prey because we lack self-confidence. We then pair up or collaborate with people that don't see life the way that we do, or we don't share common purpose. And what has worked well with, with Divya and I is that to the core, we have the same belief, about building a feminist um, business, about creating space for other women of color. And it doesn't matter what happens in between. It's something that anchors us. And it's not a space of conflict because we, we get it. We get each other in that way. And whilst she's strong in some way and weak in others, I'm there to complement that. So you have to create a space of trust between the people that you bring on board with you to build something. And and what anchors us is having a common purpose and then giving each other the space to be creators in our own right, but we're building towards the same thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the fact that... Sorry, Debra, you
2: can go. No, I just wanted to add like a really important um, point around why there aren't enough Woman owned businesses is, I think, um, when you look at the flow of money, I think just from our experience as well as a woman owned business, when you look at the flow of money in the funding environment, 99% of decision makers in any funding institution are men. So Mm -hmm. already right at the source of where money sits and how and who allocates money, it's majority men making that decision. So, you know if we had to go right back to kind of what needs to change in order for more women to start businesses, I think they need to be more woman owned funds, more Mm -hmm. um, women who are portfolio managers and decision makers in funding environments that actively and deliberately channel money to support women. I mean um, we've, you know, obviously we've, pitched for funding quite a lot. And um, we're very grateful that along the way, we've gotten to form relationships with great funders. But every single, every single boardroom that we've been in, and this is not an exaggeration, every single time we've pitched for funding, it has been to boardrooms of men. Um, And so you can only just imagine the massive hurdle you have to try and leap just to get them to listen to you and relate to you and take you seriously. Uh, So that, I think, is a really, really big kind of systemic issue that we've not gotten right. Um, And one of the reasons we don't get it right is women have an allergy to numbers. Mm right? We, we shy away from number talk, we shy away from money talk, and we shy away from positions where we are placed in that, in that kind of authority to, to engage with numbers, to direct money. Um, we, we generally shy away from it. I mean, there's still to this day, if you look at fund managers, if you look at um, CFOs, even if you look to our own government, how many women are in strong positions within the Ministry of Finance? Mm, I mean, again, yeah. women take up these throwaway positions like, oh, I'll go ahead up the Department of Women or whatever that useless arm does. I don't even know what they do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll take up yeah. this useless portfolio um, that's not really going to do anything. And I'll leave the men to continue deciding how money works in this country. That, that is, the, that is the, the, the real issue. And that's also why even within the AMASI space, Lisa will tell you, I'm very forceful when it comes to making sure every single woman, I don't care your role and I don't care your background, you're gonna to have to start talking about money and um, getting involved in how money works. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and yeah, and so sorry, I just wanted to add um, one thing. Divya is right, so if you look at my background as a somatologist and an educator, numbers was never involved in anything that I did, right? Because I'm a people person. I deal with people and I understand that very well. But being a COO required that push for me to understand how does my business become efficient, right? Mm -hmm. So that is still a number question. And, And a lot of people, I mean, we would get to unpack this at another time. A lot of people do not understand how your behavior, your own behavior within your own business affects the numbers more than what you think. Even your, how you answer your phone could affect your numbers. How you order your stock, it affects your numbers. So mm. the number allergy is, is quite a big thing. But I think a lot of people just look at the jargon and they get intimidated. But mm. it's more about what behavior do you engender on a daily basis to ensure the sustainability of your own business mm. operationally? Mm.
1: Yeah. And I, I just, um, I think that the knowledge hub is amazing because it equips women with those tools from, you know, not only knowing yourself or leading yourself authentically, but also, you know, awakening your why. And then that very important question, can I create an income with my why? So I think that um, the knowledge hub is absolutely amazing um, just in terms of, you know, the, the modules offered. And I absolutely love the fact that you can either buy it for yourself Or you can empower another female or, sorry, woman entrepreneur um, and Mm -hmm. gifter um, with with such an amazing um, module. So I I really think what you you guys are doing is absolutely amazing. It's empowering so many women. It's going to empower even more women. And um, I hope that, you know, more women will take ownership and, you know, start their own businesses. But most importantly, they'll have the skills to
3: do so.
2: Oh,
1: thank you.
3: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Okay,
2: cool. We appreciate the affirmation. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. It's important. Affirmation's important. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So um, thank you so much, ladies, for joining us today. We've unfortunately run out of time, but I definitely think we need to continue this conversation because there's so many uh, layers to, you know, being an entrepreneur and just, you know, the, the skills that um, women need to have and women need to learn so thank you so much for joining us today thank you so well, much thank you for Divya.
0: Thank We've learned you. a lot from you today and thank you for being so candid and honest about the numbers talk and the lack of women being in charge of budgeting and marketing and just funds for access for women of color and i hope that we continue with these conversations and yeah thank you once again
2: Oh, thank you both so much and thank you for creating such a fantastic platform it's so needed
3: yes it is thank you we appreciate it thank you thank so you. much ladies
1: Thanks. Bye. bye 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 thank you for joining conversations with women of color check out our social media channels search for
0: admiss danusha and the authentic across all platforms And if you enjoyed the conversation, share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next one.